0: Hello, and welcome back to The Scriptures Are Real. I'm your host, uh, or co-host today, Lamar, and uh, this is my co-host and also regular host, Carrie. Hey, how are you all? (laughs) I'm doing good. It's been a while since we've been on. You've had so many great guests and stuff. Uh, It's been a little while since we've been together.
1: When I first was thinking of this podcast, and I thought, well, I I should have a a co-host, and uh, uh immediately uh, who came to mind and I don't think it was just my own brain thinking i think it was beyond that was Lamar who uh Lamar and I were in a singles ward together we were clerks serving together um and uh and then i think you were even in my very first old testament class if i remember right yeah and, that's right I, I was i
0: was in that and uh and i wrote a paper and um i you, i i got to talk to Hugh Nibley about what you know with your paper he said hey go over and this is a great topic and maybe he would talk to you and so you know when he was alive and I also knew his granddaughter who was going to school at the same time so I had a great time I wrote a paper for that that I really liked uh for your class and um it's just been a lot of fun I got a, t- a chance to talk to him and to you and we kicked around some neat ideas so yeah it's been it's been very fun so that was, that was a long time ago but
1: uh it was that was like a mid to early 90s not that we want to talk about how old we are <laughs> but um and ever since then, <laughs> we've kind of kept in touch about scripture topics and things like that. And plus, Lamar's a comedian, and I need someone to make me seem more funny. So, uh, but uh, uh, anyway, so w- we did a, a quite a bit of co hosting uh, initially. And then uh, as your life got busy, my life got busy, it kind of happened a little bit less. And then I've kind of let that slip a little bit. So I'm here to repent uh, of that. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, we uh, like to co host together. So I knew that there were a number of people who, I uh, didn't know Lamar, I guess I should also say Lamar lives in Arizona. Uh, I think you run two businesses that you kind of started on your own, just uh, came up yeah. besides, besides continuing to do stand-up comedy.
0: But besides uh, doing stand-up and improv comedy, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty busy life. And I, I moved to Arizona, even though I moved away from the land of Zion, and now I'm in the land of exile, and Arizona is a great place. It's just yeah, yeah, it is. hotter than I'd like it to be, but it's nice now. So if you
1: want to come golfing now, now's the time to do it. Uh, from here till like May, it'll be good. Yeah. For ha- half the year, uh, Arizona is <laughs> exactly the place to be. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, so it, that's just so our audience can, uh, become reacquainted with Lamar or if you're newer then just acquainted with Lamar. And so we're just to take care of a little bit of business, some of which I think is exciting, a, a little, uh, an announcement I want to make for all of you, but we also want to encourage you both Lamar and I are hoping that as many people will hear about this as is possible. And so uh, if you'll do your reviews on Apple Podcasts and download the episode on Apple Podcasts or leave comments and likes and subscribe uh, and and follow Apple Podcasts, do the other things on YouTube or Spotify or whatever, you know, stars, all that stuff, whatever you can do that helps more people hear about it. And that helps us get the good word out a little bit more. In any case, uh, I also have an announcement that I, I want to make. So um, this episode is, uh, going to air in mid November. And, uh, this is when a lot of us start to think about Christmas and uh, I've been talking with publishers and, um, I was especially thinking about this book of Mormon year and how my, uh, commentary on Isaiah, uh, I'll even get it out for those on YouTube. that can see it. My commentary on Isaiah has a lot to do with the book of Mormon. So you'll find book of Mormon highlights all throughout there, but I think even more useful at the very end there is a there's an index here so that you can go through when you're reading say uh, first Nephi whatever you can look and see oh is Isaiah part of this because what you'll find is that uh, it's not just the Isaiah chapters or even places where Isaiah is quoted and it's clear he's being quoted he's referred to a lot more than most people realize so you can go to this index and see oh when I'm reading for this week there are Isaiah things in here and you can look at my commentary and and see that it will help it. And and I think understanding that my other two books uh, with Covenant Book about finding promised blessings and God will prevail are about the covenant. And that also helps you understand the Book of Women a lot. So uh, I arranged with uh, with Covenant uh, Communications, they're, they're the publisher of those three books, uh, that from November 15th to December 15th, if you get on Siegel Book, so you'd have to, you get on SiegelBook.com. And uh, I think you can mention this um, in, in the store as well, if you go in there, but it'll be easiest if you go to Siegelbook.com and you put in the code carry, So that's uh, all caps, K-E-R-R-Y, 25. Then you can get 25% off. So like for Finding Promised Blessings, the book's only $4. So that just makes it <sighs> uh, $3 or something. But uh, but still, you can get 25% off. So that code is K-E-R-R-Y, all caps, uh 25 carry 25 from november 15th to december 15th you can get uh, a discount and uh, hopefully <clears throat> that can be uh, you know something you get yourself or someone else for christmas uh either the cheap little booklet you can get that for your kids or whatever or if you want to really get into book of Mormon and isaiah uh hopefully all of that will be helpful i'm just trying to figure out ways to help our audience. We've got a, a really loyal and wonderful audience so I'm I'm uh, have uh, some people who are encouraging me what to think of what can we do to help and I've gotten really excited about it. so I'm looking for all sorts of things that we can do to to help out our audience.
0: I've heard a lot of people talk about your uh, your commentary on Isaiah and how it's it's helpful. It's uh, really helps break it down. Isaiah is one of those hidden books that we really have a hard time with and uh, I heard a guy just the other day, uh, a great scholar saying if you really want to understand the Book of Mormon you've got to understand Isaiah and that's where Absolutely. everybody just kind of goes and, it's, <laughs> yep. out, you know? and yep. it's too bad that's too bad because that uh, Isaiah really does give a lot of understanding but but it's not easy uh, it's not easy unless you have someone kind of pointing out differences in speech and someone's really studied it so I appreciate your, uh, your comment here and I'm looking forward to using that when we get to the Isaiah sections of Nephi
1: uh, thank you. Well, and not just those Isaiah sections. So, uh, you know, I, I agree. You can't understand the Book of Mormon if you don't understand Isaiah. And that's not just for the Isaiah chapter. So just as an example, Jacob's great sermon that we have in 2 Nephi 6 through 10, right. he's really interweaving Isaiah throughout everything he does. And and he's interacting, and his audience would have understood, he's interacting with Isaiah. And when we miss it, then we miss some of the richness of what he's, he's doing there. So, uh, just little things like that. It's there are a thousand places. I think as many places where Isaiah is paraphrased as he's actually quoted. But most of the time, we miss that. So hopefully, we can help people get more out of the Book of Mormon this way. I think uh, Covenant and Isaiah really help you understand the Book of Mormon a lot. Also, understanding Christ. But uh, yeah, well, that's yeah, that's fun, the ultimate
0: goal, yeah. obviously. But yeah. uh, but that's what Isaiah
1: is testifying of, and, and sometimes yeah. that gets missed. It got missed by a lot of people. Yep. So. Uh, I, I think with that said, so typically when we get on, Lamar kind of hosts and uh, uh, he he does, he has so many great things to share and then ask me some questions and we'll just kind of jump in is what I, I think we're planning to do. Yeah.
0: My job is to make you, uh, you look
1: good on this one. Yeah. <laughs> you get a host a lot of times. And by the
0: way, shout out to some of your uh, great guests you've had. I, I not only am on this podcast, but I also listen to it and I'm, you know, I listen to every episode and I'm really thankful for all your guests that have come on had great things to share. People have written books and have commentaries and they're over studying in Israel now. You know, great stuff like that. So I listened to all those ones and I appreciate that. But I'm glad to be back and hopefully uh um we come up with something good that we can uh that we can talk and you know we should say that the theme of this the scriptures are real wasn't just another podcast to talk about the scriptures and to get into scholarly this and that although that's part of the fun but part of it is that we Want to make it real? How do we make it real to us today? And I always yeah. talk about in my when I would teach my classes and in the seminary and so forth. I, I always had some. I, I tried to have action items. I'm like, what can we do today, this week, this month that will make a difference with you or with someone else? So that's kind of what this podcast. Hopefully, the the um, part of the fun of this podcast is to how do we make it real? How does this come? And so when you asked me earlier, uh, which ones do you want to cover? And I'm like. I could cover a lot of different ones, but don't don't count me out of James. Make sure I get to do James. (laughs) And uh, that's what we're covering today is James 1 through 5. And uh, I'm really excited because there's so many great themes. And so let me just give you a quick overview of what we're going to do now that we've got some business out of the way. We're going to talk about the authorship of James, who wrote James. A lot of people may not know this. Uh, Maybe some do, but a lot of them don't. Uh, Some of the themes in James. Uh, Of course, this is going to be a very uh, important chapter for uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because of um, this is one where J- Joseph Smith drew a lot of faith that or do drew, drew some inspiration to go originally ask of God yeah. what he should do. So talk about lacking of faith in the first chapter. We're talking about faith and works. We're going to solve all the theological problems that anybody's ever yeah. had about that. Just Probably in one right day. here. Just, Just yeah, yeah. 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 Right. yeah, right here. We're going to fix it up. Uh, James does a great job on that, and then uh, also uh, there's some other themes in there. But controlling our speech, I think, is another one we want to hit. Another theme we want to hit uh, in chapter um, in chapter three, uh, because really, the, if we can't control what we're saying, then um, well, James says that our religion is for nothing. So yeah, let's pay attention to that. So that's what we're going to jump into. So let's let's first of all talk about that. So, Carrie, who wrote James? Is it uh, we hear about Peter, James, and John all the time?
1: Who wrote James? Well, actually, the, the answer is Jacob, um, and so <laughs> <laughs> the because James is a weird way that the King James. Well, and it was before them that it started happening in English among English speakers to translate the name Jacob or Yaakov uh, or Jacobi or however you want to say. Jacobus. is somebody yeah. says Jakobus, huh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that's how it comes across in the Greek. I think it's Jacobus, and then uh, you get that. Um, translated as James, but but the name is really Jacob. But this isn't the James, as you said, it's not the James, the Peter, James, and John. That James is actually killed very early on. Um, we read about that in Acts. And so this is James, the brother, which would mean half-brother, uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus.
0: Right. There's there's at least four Jameses mentioned in the Bible. There's James, the son of Zebedee, which is the James of the apostles, Peter, James, John, and care, And so when you you know we're going to talk about Peter next comes in our reading will will come Peter so we think well James and Peter that this is that James it's most likely not most most indications are that this is uh, James the half brother of Jesus and yeah. who by the way in early on in Matthew it talks about James didn't believe Jesus at first or at least he didn't believe his Messiahship yeah it, it took a little while for him to come around so. Yeah.
1: And then he becomes one of the strongest leaders in the church. Uh, We've encountered him in Acts a few times because he's, Mm -hmm. he's the head of the church in Jerusalem Jerusalem. as Peter and everyone else goes traveling. Uh, He's the one you, if you, you'll cast your mind back to the great Jerusalem council. And that's the James that's in there that uh, says, okay, all right, we think you're right, Peter. And uh, uh, so on. So um, he is, the one who keeps really the first branch—I think you could call the Jerusalem branch—the first branch of the church—he's uh, the one that keeps it running, right? He's the one that that with all of the original converts, he he is their leader, um, and uh, it keeps the church going there for a long time through some really difficult persecution. This is persecution from the their fellow Jews, right? The right. kind of stuff that was killing Stephen and and that Paul was part of, and so on. Uh, James is the one that shepherds them through all of that and and keeps them faithful. So, uh, really, an amazing guy.
0: Yeah. You, well, you got to think you've got this is the head of where the Sanhedrin is and and all the other uh, big councils there of the Jews. Um, it's all in Jerusalem, so he's right in the middle of uh, of the. I mean, they're the ones that put Jesus to death, right? So yeah. So yeah. So yeah. He's a. He's got. I think of him as like the uh, the area authority, maybe for yeah there you go this is uh, the first bishop you know in the early church would be like the first bishop so yeah yeah so he's a uh, um very well spoken and this is interesting sometimes they call this the wisdom literature like you have proverbs and psalms um and some of those books there in the old testament which they consider with w- which are referred to as wisdom literature yeah yeah uh, because of the use of like uh similes and and uh metaphors and that kind of thing um and this is what they call the wisdom literature of the New Testament, um, and it seems to be very well steeped in the Sermon on the Mount. He refers to themes that come over and over in Sermon on the Mount, and he refers to them um, in a prosaic type of way. You know, consider yeah. this, and yeah. So we'll talk about some of those. So that's that's the author, James, the the uh, the brother of Jesus.
1: Yeah, and, and maybe yeah. I'll just say he kind of intermixes like uh, proverbs and Sermon on the Mount, almost like equally, kind of intertwining them. Uh, because I think for for James and for and you'll see he's clearly steeped in in uh, what we would call the Old Testament, uh, right? He, he has a, a we don't know exactly the audience, but it's a, it, I would guess the Jerusalem group. But anyway, it's a very Jewish audience. He's he's steeped in that stuff, but he has made the Sermon on the Mount like the New Proverbs, as it were. And mm-hmm. as he's trying to give advice to this group, he really intermixes proverb themes and Sermon on the Mount themes and uh, kind of sits it all up in chapter one and then keeps going through it like with a bunch of messages through the rest.
0: Yeah. And historically this looks like to be one of the last to be added to the canon, but was likely written more toward the beginning, maybe before some of the, the epistles of Paul. I and mean, we just came off from a really long um, group of, uh, epistles or letters from what we assume to be Paul. Most times they are from Paul. It says, you know, it's from Paul. There, we assume that that's the writer, okay. but we're assuming those ones are Paul. So we have a whole lot of Pauline uh, epistles or letters and instruction from him. And and Paul has a very specific, um, I don't say very specific, but he he has a he has a goal in mind to bring about some uh, some new thinking to um, people that are stuck in the old ways. So that's. Yeah. His kind of thing is like, hey, we need to move on. It's it's not about how large your hem of your garment is, or the you know the the phylacteries or whatever you have. It's not about those things. It's about faith and, and Jesus Christ and so forth, which is all great stuff. But James is writing to the same type of people, and he has a little more emphasis on works, not over faith. But we'll get to that in chapter two. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But that's anyway. That's who we're writing to. And that's the kind of audience that uh, that James has. Um, and he writes it to the, the, but he writes it to all the the, the tribes of Israel scattered abroad to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad greeting. So this isn't just for Jerusalem. It's to go out to everybody. But again, his audience is people who are just coming online to Christianity from, from, uh, from being, uh, you know, from Judaism or, or maybe some of the other, um, religions in the area. So that, that's his audience. No. So um, let's just jump right in here. In verse five, of course, we members of the church will will jump on this right away. They'll know this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now, of course, that's that's what sets off Joseph Smith from the beginning. He's he takes that. He's like, hey, I can uh, I don't need to have it interpreted by this person or that person.
1: I can ask God. This is a, an open invitation for us to seek connection with God. Yeah. And, and I love, uh, even if we continue on with the next mm-hmm. verse, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. So, I mean, that's, it's clear that Joseph Smith believed, and I clearly this, the spirit uh, kind of guided him. This is what you need to do. And he had this assurance. He thought he was going to get an answer. Um, but I, I, this is setting up the chapter two discussion on faith and works in some ways, but it starts out with James saying, no, the faith is where this starts and you have to really have faith. And then in chapter two, he'll talk about what it looks like when you have faith unwavering. Uh, But, but he, first of all, is letting us know, here's what's at stake. If you need to know, and we all, lack wisdom. We all need to know something, Uh, right? And again, that's that Proverbs theme. The theme of Proverbs is you need wisdom from God. So he starts it out right here. You need wisdom from God, and God is really willing to give it to you. Uh, And and it reminds me of uh, President Packer once saying we live beneath our our privileges of inspiration and so on. God wants to give us more than we seem to be ready to accept or to even ask for. But it's contingent upon really having faith. And as I said, we'll we'll talk about what that looks like later. But he starts the whole epistle out with that idea that we, we've got to have unwavering faith. Now, that doesn't mean you're in trouble if you ever have questions or doubts or, or so on. And, and it doesn't mean like if you are... Uh, have something difficult and you've got some questions for God. Like, why is this happening to me? I don't think that means that your faith is wavering, but, uh, and, and if your faith has wavered, that's okay. Come back and try again. Right. But, uh, it, it's, it, we can take this the wrong way to mean, okay, well, I'm out. Cause I had some questions and that's not <laughs> what it means. Yeah.
0: No, no. I, I think, I think he's setting up the inquiry. So it's first you have faith and, you know, put your, all your faith in not just sort of a, throw up a prayer and hey i need some wisdom and then off you go on your daily thing he's saying hey be be sincere and then next he's going to talk about getting your getting your heart straight so get rid of all this stuff Get, get out of the world so those things so he's setting up a pattern here come with to come to god with faith and uh and and really mean it and put your your faith into it get out of the world and i like this in verse 21 i gotta this is kind of a funny thing that i don't know um Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Yeah, that's one of my favorite favorite scripture phrases ever. (laughs) Me too. I think it's a lot of time, like, you know, when I, the kids are going out, you know, the teenagers say, hey, don't have any superfluity of naughtiness. you know. So so, it's just a funny thing. But um, but just the way it's it's filthiness or rampant wickedness is kind of what we're talking about. Other translations will put it that. So the thing is hilarious that superfluity of naughtiness, but anyway.
1: If I had a tattoo, <laughs> that's what I'd put a tattoo. I don't like tattoos, but if I did, I'd be a naughtiness. <laughs> yes. like <laughs> a uh, no sign. <laughs> it is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we should use that phrase more. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think you're right. In fact, if, if we're going to, one of the ways I think we can make this real is to bring it down into the way we're thinking of it and working through it today. And if I were going to say the two main themes of, uh, of James. Oh, and I wanna come back remind remind me, I wanna come back to like the audience in just one second, but the two main themes of James, um, I would say it's faith and thinking celestial. OK, right. so that's that's part of what this, uh, you know, the, the be careful of about how you speak or not having a superfluity of naughtiness as just look for that thing as you go through. And I think we're going to see he is again and again and again saying you've got to think celestial instead of think worldly. Quit thinking worldly. Think celestial. So, yeah, has a bunch of ways he has us look at it. Sorry.
0: No, no, no. That's a super good. I like that. And, and the way he puts it in there, the reason that the, this is kind of big language, filthiness or rampant wickedness. So. He's obviously, I mean, a, a, a writ, you know, scriptures are written to the people in the day. So he's dealing with people that have stuff all around him. There's a lot of things happening. Jerusalem had just, I mean, if you look at the Jerusalem walls, just outside of that wall and down the hill is the, where we get the, the word for hell. And yeah. it's, they have the groves and just, just rampant wickedness. I mean, it's a, not a big place. So... You, right over the hill, there's just terrible stuff going on. And over here, you got this. So he's saying, look, have faith, nothing wavering, and then get out of the world. Just, you know, like you said, think celestial. You've got to get a, a, above that. Um, that's where we, we have a phrase in our church, you know, to be in the world, but not of the world. Look, the world has some really cool stuff. I love, you know, there's the nature and there's the history and there's, and, and men do really great. Men and women, people on in general, do great things, have great works of art. That's all great, but the world, when we talk about the world, it's just just the excesses and all the greed and everything else that sneaks in there and corrupts mankind. Yeah. That's what we're talking about.
1: Well, and and again, if we're going to borrow from President Nelson, I think we could say that um, a worldly view is a myopic view, right, as, as right. opposed to the thinking celestial. We're thinking of what, it's as if there is no God and there is no uh, hereafter with opportunities for kingdoms of glory, if we're going to think President Oaks' recent talk, right? Um, mm-hmm. Instead, you're thinking, well, what can the world give me rather than what can God give me? And you're thinking, what can I get between now and when I'm 50 or 70 or die rather than how are things going to work for me in the eternities? And I, I think that's that key difference. Uh, you can tell when it's worldly because it's myopic as opposed to a celestial or an eternal viewpoint. Right, yeah, immediate
0: gratification what you yeah. want right now but it doesn't do good for setting up for the future um yeah. you're gonna get right now and I, I if there any time in the world that i can think of this time right now when you can get almost whatever you want uh, by by the push of a button by a click of this and 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 uh you know tap on this and you can get almost whatever you want and there's a lot of problems that come along with that he's going to talk about that in, in uh james will mention that in um about the rich, you will know, have a warning yeah. of the rich in, in the fifth chapter, but that's perfect. So you can see the theme he's setting up there: the faith, the the uh, the getting out of the world. You know, setting up with the slush idea, and then he goes right into some action. Yeah.
1: He talks about. Oh, before we jump there, can I talk yeah. about the audience? Uh, I was. Uh, I, I, I oh yeah, yeah, please, please. At the very beginning, and I forgot. So it's. I mean, we don't know exactly the audience, but he does have an interesting thing here in verse one, right? where he says it is to the 12 tribes, which are scattered mm-hmm. abroad. Um, now that's interesting. And and he may like really mean the literal descendants of Israel, because he is a Jew writing from Jerusalem and okay. he's wanting to gather Israel. Um, but this, this sets us up with this notion of, um, of gathering Israel that president Nelson really wants us to focus on. And for us, we gather literal Israel, but the point is that as Israel is gathered in, that we bring the whole world with us and everyone can become part of Israel. And I don't know if that's what uh, James or Yacobus or Yaakov is thinking, Mm -hmm. but, um, uh, but I think that it affects the way he writes this. So many scholars will say, once we get to chapter two, that uh, he's got like 12 sections and that seems to be uh, kind of a theme that he's going with because of the 12 tribes. And so that may influence actually why he's addressing the 12 tribes, because uh, that, that's just going to be his, his kind of governing, uh, I guess, outline unit is to right. say, say I'm going to do 12 one section for each of the 12 sons of Israel. And uh, so we want to gather Israel, but we'll also look. And I don't know that we need to go into and say, "Here's one section. Here's the next section." But, um, but we want to keep in mind that he would like to make everyone part of Israel and gather Israel to the Messiah. That's his his real goal. So we, I think it's worth keeping that in mind as well. So sorry, oh, great. great point. Back no, no, no. Where you were? No,
0: no, no. no sorry. That, that's great. That's part of uh part of setting up what he's going to. But he goes twenty verse twenty-one. He's talking about you know, get out of the world. Receive the meekness and grafted word, which is able to save your soul. So, you know, get rid of the 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 wickedness and and embrace the meekness. And then he says, and and I love
1: that phrase, "engrafted word."
0: Engrafted word.
1: This this idea of a graft—that's when you take a branch and you make it so that it literally becomes part of the tree. It's interwoven, and it is part of a tree, right? And that's what the word of God needs to become part of us, so that it's not a separate thing from us. It's part of who we are. I love that right. that imagery.
0: It's not something you adopt on Sunday or when you go to synagogue or whatever you're doing. It's something yeah. that you become. So you become that part. And then he immediately goes in there and, and, and in verse 22, he said, but be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. So that's part of it. You can't be you can't be a, a listener of the word and, and, and passively. Like you go to church and you listen for a couple of hours and then you go home and, you know, watch the game or whatever. Yeah. That's not really what he's talking about. He's like, be doers. So once you hear it, you, you go out and do stuff. You need to be, and that's how you engraft graft it. You know, when you're doing, um, if you're learning algebra or something like that, you can't just watch the, the the professor do it on the on the board or the teacher do it on the board. You have to apply it. You have to do it because by doing it, you understand the concept. Okay, I get the concept. This goes with this X squared. So once you do the homework, then you get it engrafted in you, um, and that's how you do it. But, so you can't just be hearers only. You can't be passive. Um, Sunday listeners, you've got to be doers of the word. So take what you hear, go out, do it. We'll talk about that next year in... Um, in Alma 32, and how you grow faith, how it starts yeah. out as a seed and then grows into something big. So be doers. So if and, any of
1: oh, go ahead. No, go I was gonna say this is part of his theme that we're also seeing, and it was like verse 80 said, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What one of his big things is if you are real in your faith, then it's gonna look this way. If you're not real, you're double-minded, right? So if you say you have faith, but you're not a doer, you're double-minded. It's that it, it, you're you're not right. pure intent. This is the pure pure of heart, pure intent part of the Sermon on the Mount idea, right? And right. and so I think he gave us the concept in verse eight, saying you can, double-minded man is unstable. But he's showing us why they're unstable down here. Where well, you if you say you believe, but you don't do it, then actually nothing good comes from you, and you're unstable. Yeah, are you really believing? Right. Yeah. yeah. If you
0: believe something can save you.
1: Then you're going to do something. You know, if someone throws you a life preserver,
0: you're drowning and you, you throw a life preserver, but you don't believe the life preserver is going to save you, then you're going to drown. You know, yeah. you got to reach, you got to grab, you got to do something. you got to have an action in there that that makes that faith uh, take hold. Right. Excellent. So if any hear of the word, be not a doer, he's like you know, a man beholding the natural face of that. So he's talking about looking into a mirror. So you look at yourself in a mirror for a minute and then you walk away and then you forget who you were. Yeah. And this is from the Sermon on the Mount, right? We talk about the sower who sows the seeds and there's some seeds that fall in different ground, right? Some, some get eaten by the birds and never take root. Some take root and grow quickly in the sun, uh, but then fade away. As soon as the, as soon as the heat comes, the, the heat of the day that, uh, that seed fades away. So there are some that will hear it and they're excited a little bit, but then they just forget who they are. They, Aren't yeah. doing it daily, or whatever it is that draws them away. And we hope to right. bring them back. We'll talk about that later in chapter four. But yeah,
1: yeah. and that phrase in that parable, the, the cares of the world, it fits in exactly with what James is talking about here, right? We start to think about the world too much. And so we forget who we really are and what we're really wanting.
0: That's right. So get rid of the filthy, the, the superfluity of the audience. So that's anyway, right. so, um, right. So he beholds, and so anyway, that's that's what he's getting into. And I also like the way he calls the perfect law of liberty. So we just came from the law of Moses, which we're not saying anything against the law of Moses. Uh, that was to prepare people. But the law of liberty now takes, takes effect. And when you talk about liberty, um, you're talking about these are things that make you free. So John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and you shall make you free. So now we're talking about these things, even though these are laws, they don't restrict you. They are laws of liberty. They are laws that will allow you to grow and be free. Free from other things, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. So that's uh, and then okay. So uh, you know it, when you look at this, sometimes you read little pieces, and it's like someone has taken little bits and pieces of a sermon and just kind of put them down. Like, like Proverbs isn't like one beginning to end, yeah, letter. It's part. You look at this and you think, well, maybe these are just bits and pieces, but the the themes are so laid out. I don't think so. I think this is really like yeah. a you know written like you said, like the, the twelve tries He's he's dealing with certain themes. So now he's going to come back again um, to what you need to do.
1: Go ahead. Well, I was going to say chapter one is especially chopped up that way, like, Mm -hmm. because I think he's introducing the things that go more into depth in the other chapters. So you've just got snippet, 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 and then, okay, we're going to flesh them out a little bit more later. This is his executive summary. That's exactly we, right. He's giving you an over like we
0: did at the of that podcast. We gave you an overview of what you're going to hear. He's giving yeah. you an overview of what you're going to hear, and so now he's going to start developing the themes. And again, here's he's going to talk about this a little bit later. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but be deceiver in his heart, um, well, sorry, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. So. Um, People are going to judge you by what you say and what you do, not by your attendance uh, on at church or by you, know, you showing up here or by what you're wearing or, you know, religious garb or a, whatever, a necklace or something. It's not about that. It's going to be about what you do and what you say. And I think this I'm going to use this one when we talk about um, uh, faith and works. Uh, there's a song that uh, uh, one of our hymns. Have I done any good in the world today? Have I helped anyone in need? Have I cheered up the glad, or or cheered up the sad, or made someone feel glad? If not, I have failed indeed. So, in this, in the, in the same way, the tongue can hurt someone by something you say to them, criticism, and also can help someone uh, by a cheerful word. Have I cheered up the glad, or cheered up the sad, or made someone feel glad? So what are you doing to help so the, the the tongue can control what you're doing both for good and for bad so um so watch what you say so now he's got the whole chapter one set up and of course this wasn't written in chapters but yeah. but we broke it up in chapters by because of according to the themes and so now he's gonna start developing on these themes
1: and so and maybe, before, uh before go we go on to the next chapter where were you about mm-hmm. to go on or Yeah, I was going to go on, but go, no, go ahead. Anytime. I I just have to talk about twenty-six. So this is probably the verse that has become most real for me in, in all of the book of James. Uh, I just think about this one so often pure religion and undefiled before God and the father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Uh, That comes to me so often that uh, to me, this is where it can get really, really real. If you, really believe in God and you really love God, then what you, we ought to be doing is helping people who are having a hard time. I think that's what he's saying here. Right. Plus keep yourself inspired from the world. So that's the avoid the the worldliness, but, but the, the so that's the avoid, but the, what do you do? What do you replace that with?
0: Right. um
1: Is going and helping people. That's, that's what our religion is all about. Right. And when I hear this, I kind of have to think of the story and I may be not recanted it correctly, but I think so. But, uh, Uh, the way I remember the story is uh, Joseph Joseph Smith was with a group of people and it was reported that someone's house had burned down and everyone was talking about how badly they felt for this person. And Joseph Smith said, I feel bad to them to the tune of five dollars. Here's five (laughs) dollars to help you. Did anyone else feel bad for them, Right. And right then they raised some money to help them rebuild their house. Right. And that's when it becomes real. That's that's pure religion to say. I, I'm going to go and help. And and sometimes it's in the money, but a lot of times it's, you just go and be there for people. We had some people in our ward uh, who had a, a tragedy and sometimes what they needed was just someone to just be there. You didn't have to say anything or whatever. Right. And I, th- I think right. uh, there are all sorts of things we can do. I, I mean, uh, we can all think of someone who's lonely. Yeah, just go be there. Right. That's pure religion. So this this is a very, very real verse for me, because I I have to ask myself, okay, uh, you just wrote and said a lot of stuff. But did you go do anything? Did you go visit anyone and and uh, and help someone your next door neighbor that was in? in, So I'm glad to be helping somebody. You know, we have listeners in New Zealand uh, and that's a good uh, ways away from where I live. Uh, I wish I was in New Zealand sometimes. But (laughs) anyway, I uh, uh, but I've got someone across the street from me that I really should go visit. And, uh, and that's pure religion and undefiled.
0: Absolutely. And this is really the definition of charity, right? uh, We've talked about this before, and this is, I'm so glad you didn't let me skip over that because I have this triple underlined here, the pure religion. This is really breaking it down. This is what we do. Of course, keeping your spotter for the world. That's the, that's the commandments and the, and the things that we should be doing personally. But helping others that charity now and again, we've talked about this when we went through uh, through other scriptures, but oftentimes we think about charity as the money giving, which is important and that's great. but that's not all charity is. Charity is what are we doing? What do we do to help our fellow men? what do we do to help them out uh, to stand with those and stand in need of comfort just like you were just mentioning. So um, this is really charity should I have charity um, uh, connected with this verse here. This is one of my verses on charity, pure religion because it says that elsewhere. We, we, we'll get to that in some of our other, our other topics. But pure religion and undefiled before God is to visit the fatherless, the widows, and their afflictions and keep unspotted from the world. So he encapsulates quite nice. Just 27 alone is, is a sermon to itself, right? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Um, so now let's go on. He goes on to, into chapter uh, two. And he this, I think, is where you're talking about he breaks it out. So he talks about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and not be a respecter of persons. He's going to hit that theme a couple of times. And apparently in the in the Jerusalem uh, area, there is, and look, there's no, there's no, you should always be respectful of people. But it's, it, the rich people don't get, uh, the rich people are people who have some sort of fame. Don't get the first benches in the pews all the time. You know, it's it's not about that. It's not about, about giving yeah. deference because of what the world is saying. We're all equal in the church. Sure, it's nice to show respect uh, you know, to the bishop or or whatever, or to stand when the when the prophet comes into general conference. All those things are good. We're not talking about those kind of things. And and just being respectful in people in general is good. But we're talking about, you know, wearing costly parallel. Again, we can sum it up with with the word pride if pride comes into it, then, then we're, we're out of bounds already.
1: Yeah.
0: If it's, if it's, you're being respectful to somebody because that's out of love or, you know, because you respect the person or the, or the office or the title, or whatever, that's fine. Um, but when pride comes into it, when you think you are better than somebody, then we have a problem. That's where the pride starts coming in. I hear president Benson's talks from the eighties yeah. coming into my head, you know?
1: So, yeah, or if you are are thinking someone else is better because they have wealth or fame and you treat them that way, right? It, it, right. Uh, you're right. It's again, that's all judging uh, according to the world's standards of success right. rather than God's standards. And uh, even with God's standards, so even with that, we have to be careful. So, yes, this person may be seeming like they're keeping the commandments more than that person. That doesn't mean that we treat them differently, we treat them both with love. So, Right, and then, yeah, exactly, and now he brings in
0: a a little bit uh, of, he's going to talk about the law, and we're talking about now, again, the law, we could say that it's the law of Moses, or the Ten Commandments, whatever they're, you know, you're considering the law, what they should be doing, their practical instruction. Uh, In verse 10, whoever shall keep the law and offend on one point is guilty of all. So he's going to, here's where he's going to bring out the faith and works, it's going to come up here. But he's like, if you've broken one part of the law, you broke the whole law. Yeah. So that, sometimes we call that legalism, or it's been sin in academic circles, it's legalism. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, sometimes the ancient Israel gets in trouble for trying to be too legalistic. You're trying to make the law, you know, a prescribed this many steps on on Sunday or, or this, you know, you're again, you're the, the border of your garments look like this and all that kind of stuff. And he talks about that here, you're guilty of the whole law. For he that said, Do not commit adulteries also shall not kill if thou commit no adultery, and yet if thou kill, thou become transgressor of the whole law. Well, he picked the big ones right there, first of all. Yeah. But but he's talking about in general. He's gonna set up the he's going to set up mercy versus well, let's just read it here. Um, in verse 13. Uh, for he shall have judgment without mercy, and he that has showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. It's kind of a, a, a the way it's written is a little bit awkward for our our ears. Uh, another translation would say, "Let no one say he is tempted." Um, oh, whoops! I'm sorry. Uh, that's one of the wrong translation for there. Um, wrong, wrong verse, yeah. Wrong verse there. Um, I was going to read it in a different translation. This is the the uh, the standard English version, um, which is sometimes a little bit easier to read for some people when. Because sometimes they, they they reverse their their subject. In, anyway, they um, were Yoda.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. They, <laughs> they, they I meant spoken. to say Yoda. They were.
0: Yes. Um, for they judgment were. without mercy is to one that has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Is is what he's getting. To. So anyway, the point in this one is he's saying if you're going to try to be again the term legalistic about it, if you've broken a little part of the law, you've broken the whole law. So we're all going to break that. And for right. those of you who are so bent on being uh, specific to the law, without showing mercy to other, in other words, being judgmental of other people, then then you really don't deserve you don't deserve mercy. Again, he's he's not setting up for being perfect. He's trying to set up for being non judgmental, is what he's right. talking about. Let's let's extend mercy. And I I have this statement all the time. Look, people are doing. The best they can a lot of them and we all can do better sure but let's give a let's let's suppose the best of everyone and um and you know if we're going to be hard on somebody let's be hard on ourselves to do better great but let's not let's not judge everybody else that they should be doing this they should be doing that or this they didn't do this or they wore that and we we should be wearing this you know what i mean
1: yeah and and this is where it gets tricky because um I think he's absolutely right. If if we've broken one part of the law, then we're, he's saying something very similar to what Paul said uh, in a number of places, which is, right. you can't be saved by the law. Because no. if you've broken one law, part of the law, then you've broken the law. And if you're if you counting on being saved by never doing anything wrong, then you're in trouble. So this is uh, James kind of saying, all right, so we, we need faith. He doesn't come out and say quite that that clearly, but, but we need faith because we do break the law. Um, but, but the tricky part is, as you said, like we, some, sometimes we're really judgmental of others and often when we're judgmental of others, we're also judgmental of ourselves, but sometimes we extend mercy to others, but we won't extend it to ourselves. Uh, we, we often call that perfectionism. So this is an element of this, that, that too often we feel like, well, we need to do all these things, to be uh, uh, good the way God wants us to be good. And we start focusing on that doing, and that causes us all sorts of problems as well. So that's a problem. But if we toss that out, and I think this is what James is, is uh, addressing. if we, we seem to go one side of the pendulum or the other. We either are focusing so much on all the things we need to do that we're in trouble, or we say, okay, well, no, we're just saved by, by grace or faith. So we focus so much on that that we forget about what we need to do and we're in trouble. And I think James is trying to get us to the middle ground of that whole thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's why this is one of the reasons why I like these chapters so much, because I think he draws a great uh, I think he draws some great distinctions there. He's trying to say that it's not the law that saves you. It's not the law. But we don't throw the law out. We don't throw it out. We're still trying to do those things. We're still trying to keep the commandments and we're still trying to keep ourselves, he says, keep ourselves in the spotter from the world. Well, who's not going to get a little dirt down there? Everybody's going to get dirt now. And then. Yeah. So, so we live in the dirt. Yeah, we live. Yeah. So, but we're going to try. We're going to shoot for perfection. Again, you know, Matthew 5, 48, uh, be therefore perfect. Well, okay. Or, you know, again, we talk about perfect, be there complete or, or fully, uh, you know, the full creation. We're trying to be that. We're not going to be that right now. But that doesn't keep us from trying. So let's let's read what he says about the faith and works. And so um, this sets it up perfectly for that. Um, uh, so let's go to verse fourteen. What did a prophet, prophet, brethren, my brethren, though a man say a faith and hath not works, can faith save him? Well, we just got done in 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 uh, Romans, you know. Paul is like saying, "Hey, it's the faith you can be saved, and, and all that stuff." And that's where a lot of people draw that from. But he's James says, "Can faith save him?" And by the way, I might have mentioned this before the show. Um, uh, Martin Luther, uh, the original Martin Luther, who was uh, was a great reformer, did not like this this book. He called it the the Epistle of Straw. He uh, he didn't even want to include it in the canon because he, he thought the it, it was a little too much on the on the works thing, but I don't think so. I think that the works. I think James draws a great balance, and I'll, we'll talk about this when we get to the in of this section. Um, yeah, but that's, they that's say, kind
1: of an example of saying, "Well, that doesn't agree with my theology," so let's throw out an apostle. <laughs> right, 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 that's right. right. Yeah, and, yeah, and we do that today. We, we that happens all the time today. Oh well, yeah. It does. Okay. The world has convinced me that, that this, and maybe we have very good intents, but the world's convinced me this way. And President Oaks is saying something different. So let's toss President Oaks.
0: Yeah. Uh. He. Yeah. He not He's not really with it today. That's an old. Yeah. Old thing. Yeah. Exactly. So continuing on in verse fifteen, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them those things, which are needful of the body. What did the, or you, prophet- you
1: give them not those things. Give them, I'm sorry.
0: Give them not those things, which are needful to the body. What did the profit? So, yeah. What have you helped out? Even so verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works is dead being alone. Okay. So this has been raging on forever and ever in the theological circles. And, um, And like I said at the beginning, we're going to solve all this today in this little hour, half hour, hour and a half, whatever it's going to be. We're going to solve it all today and and fix it because everybody missed this statement. and I'm sure that we're the only ones that figured this out. But I think this is important. And here's what I'll do. If I ever come across this uh, with someone else who's talking about faith, it isn't really the works of saving. It's not about that. We all have different capacities. Um, We, you know, I I always think of it as being like a coach, right? So the church is about being a coach. And a a lot of times the church takes heat. There's just so many things to do in the church. You just can't possibly do all the things in church. And I feel guilty going just because I know a lot of people that really feel guilty going to church. And that isn't how it should be. And this is where we're talking about not extending mercy to yourself. Look, the church is there to be a coach. And you don't want a coach who gives you excuses. Ah, ah, you know, I mean, yeah, well, it's nah, I'm not feeling it today either. Let's not work out today. Let's, you know, you, you don't want an Olympic athlete or Olympic coach to be doing that. Ah, you know, let's not try harder. This is good enough. That's not what the church is here for. The church is here to push you, but only we know what our limits are. Again, we're going to, in Mosiah, we're going to talk about this next year about you can't run faster than you have strength. So it's up to you to determine what drives you the church is going to be out there and giving you good platitudes and things to try to help you move forward uh and give you ideas and programs and things like that but it's up to us to work as hard as we can let the spirit be our guide we work as hard as we can but we extend mercy to others and we extend mercy to ourselves do you agree with that
1: oh yeah 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 a hundred percent and in fact maybe um I, I, I want to come back around to your coaching and, and athletic analogy, but maybe let's, let's approach it this way as well. If um, I think if you really believe in God and Christ, so let's say you have real faith, then you believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever believest in him uh, shall, shall have eternal life. I'm <clears throat> cut out part of it there, but uh, if we really believe that God sent his son and that his son can save us, then we will automatically be filled with gratitude and love for them. And we will see how much they love our fellow man, their children. And so we'll be filled with love for them. So this brings us back to this love of God and love of man. And <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. And if you really love God and you really love man, then of course you'll be doing all these things. And I think that's part of what James is saying. It's like, uh, if, if you're telling me you believe, if you're telling me you love God and you're telling me you love others, then actually I expect I'll see something happen from that. I expect you won't just say to someone, Hey, be warm, be full, see you later. All right. You give them a blanket and you'll give them a hamburger, whatever. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh it, so it's it's not so much he's not saying that faith isn't what saves you. It's that I'm not so sure you really have faith if you're not doing something because when you really have faith, you really love. And when you really love, you really do something. Right. right? right. So, you know, If that were to come back to your sports analogy, uh, I'll just share a story from, my glory days in college football. So uh, I, uh, I, if you ever play that game, two truth and a lie, I can always win with this one because I, I always put out there, I was a center on my football team in college. I don't say uh, that it was a flag football team uh, in all <laughs> sports. Uh, and no one believes that I was a center, but in my my intramural flag football team, I was the center, right? And okay. uh, because the center had to block and had to do quick movements and I'm a small guy, but I could do quick sideways movements. And so um i i did that and and i loved i mean my team was they were my friends from grade school and high school and roommates right. in college right i mean we loved each other and we loved playing with each other and i wanted to be there uh the quarterback is still one of my very best friends and i wanted to protect that quarterback that was really my job i wanted to protect that guy um <laughs> and so i would do my best but i can remember there was a time where i because of those quick movements i i, I pulled uh, my hamstring and um And I just couldn't do as well. And uh, for a while I had to sit out uh, and it wasn't because I didn't love playing and I didn't love being with my teammates. I just couldn't play. And then finally, I got to where I could play hurt. And that that seemed to be working better than me not playing uh, just because no one else had been in that position. And it was that we were struggling. Right. And I didn't do as well playing hurt as I did when I was. Whole, but I still did what I could because I love my teammates and I wanted to play, right? And I think that's what, what God is asking of us. Sometimes you'll be really, really good. And let's be clear on a lot of things on that team, I was not as good as most of my teammates, right? I blocked fairly well. And that was about the only thing I did fairly well. Um, but I, there were some guys <laughs> who were like so crazy fast and some guys who could catch no matter what. And, and our quarterback had a great arm and none of those were me. And so I had to just be happy letting them do those things. And me doing what I could do, and sometimes I couldn't do it, and sometimes I couldn't do it as well, but that didn't matter. My intent was that I wanted to do it, and, right. and I think that's I think that's where we are in this whole game. If we do love God and we love his fellow man, we don't need to be worried about, are we doing everything? We'll be doing what we can because we want to do it, and right. sometimes we can do more, and sometimes we can do less, and there will always be someone who can do more than we can do. Um, but they may not be doing what we're doing as well. you know. And all of that doesn't matter. The, the fact of the matter is if you love God and you love each other, you're happy that others are doing even more than you can do. And you're happy that you're doing what you can do. And right. you're just going to, you're going to play hurt sometimes. And sometimes you're going to sit out, but it's okay because you, it's all happening because of love and faith. And I think that's what he's trying to get at here. I think so too. And you know,
0: um, uh, if, as I get older, and now I'm in my 50s, and I've had children, and and uh, and I, I can, if I can apply it to, I, I I hear myself all the time saying something that's right out of the scriptures. I'll be like, if you just would listen to me, it would be whole. Much, I've I've got so much more experience than you do. If you just <laughs> uh, would listen, I'm telling you, I have the secret to success. If you just will listen to me,
1: oh, I and then I hear the <laughs> scriptures in my
0: head, like, ah, you know what am I doing? So. Applying that same thing to this, and then uh, I mean, we got analogy on top of analogy, but but um, if we were to apply this to God as the father, and let's say he has a teenager, yeah, uh, who can uh, you know, some young man who's full of all kinds of testosterone can do he's out, you know, trimming the bushes and, and cutting the trees, and he's using the chainsaw, and then maybe there's the the, the eight year old inside that's doing what they can, they're you know, washing the dishes, whatever, and then you got the four year old who can. Maybe pick up her toys, you know. Maybe and or, the or maybe that,
1: hand you the broom so you can sweep. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, or hold the dustpan.
0: That was my yeah. job, and I was kid, like, "Kids, hold the dustpan while well, they swept into it." So the four-year-old cannot do the same amount of work as the 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 thirteen-year-old or fourteen-year-old, you know, that's out there, you know, getting after it and, and getting things done. Maybe think of someone who's working on the farm, but as a father, you appreciate the 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 work just as well. Yeah. The four-year-old is doing what the four-year-old has the capacity to do. The the eight-year-old is doing what the eight-year-old can do. And the 14-year-old is doing what the 14-year-old can do. And as long as they're working the best that they can. Now, if one of those is sitting down and not doing, you know, or like, you know, watching the TV part of the time or, or whatever yeah. they're doing. If they're not doing the full effort, well, then, you know, as a father, what the full effort is. Like, put the full effort in. Come on, do the full effort of what you can do. And I still know that the 40-year-old is not going to do with the 14-year-old. Yeah, They're just not physically. So in the same analogy, the, the way the church were, or the way, you know, people grow up, there might be different capacities of what they can do, what they understand, um, what their, you know, mental and physical capabilities are might be different, and their yeah. time constraints and whatever else they're under. So anyway, so I think we, have there you go, yeah, we have well, solved it all.
1: Well, I want to push your analogy just a little bit further, okay, uh, sure. and then, then we will have solved it all. But so, <laughs> okay. I mean, I think of President Elton, who really, I mean, I think even objectively, one of the most gifted people in the world. I mean, just all of the things that he can do, whether that be invent new heart surgeries or be pitch perfect or take complex subjects and be able to reduce them to a couple word phrase and we get it, right? I mean, just right. incredible. He can do so much more than I can do. Uh, Even so, compared to what God can do, if we're going to use that family analogy, God is the adult, is the father that can do all sorts of stuff, Uh, and maybe I'm only a two-year-old, but that makes President Nelson a six-year-old right? He can do a lot more than the two-year-old, but compared to what sure. God can do, it's still not much. So oh, what yeah. are we worrying about? I mean, as a father, you don't really care how much more the six-year-old can do than the two-year-old because neither one of them are actually that helpful. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> if, right. Yeah. You're just happy they're helping and you'll take care, you'll make up the difference, right? I, and, yeah. and that's where we're at here. And so don't don't worry if you're a two-year-old instead of a six-year-old. I remember when uh,
0: when my four-year-old, well, four well, or five, when she was little, and she would come out there and want to help me mow the grass. And I would say that she was my great multiplier. She made every task longer. Because, yeah. I mean, I can mow the grass, but she wanted to hold on. Yep. Okay, so I'd have her hold on to part of that. But me holding on waiting for her and going slower, it slowed down my work quite a bit. I could do it a way yes. faster. But I appreciate the fact that she was out there. She had her hand on the mower and was doing what she can do. And I'm like, okay, well, let's learn work. And that's what we're here. We're here to learn how to do work. Yeah. Because God didn't get to, you know, learn all this stuff because, you know, um, because he sat around and thought about it. Look, he went and did some work. Anyway, so.
1: Well, you know. and why Why did your daughter want to help? It's not because mowing the glass is glamorous. It's because no. she loved you and she yeah. wanted to be with you and she wanted to help you. And yeah. that's what God is looking for. Not right. that we actually make pushing the lawnmower go better. It's that we want to be pushing it because we love him and we want to help him.
0: That's right. If you want to be, if you you know, be like your father, in heaven, you want to be like your father. If you want to do that, yeah. well, then what are you going to do? You're going to go serve his children. If you love me, feed my sheep, right? Well, how do you feed them? If you if if you just say some something like this guy here said, well, be warmed and filled. That's not doing anything. Go out and feed them, feed the and clothe them, take care of the fatherless, the, the the widows. So yeah, exactly. So get out there and do something. It's not about how much. It's about doing something. And so, again, what we talk about, what yeah. we do today, this week, this month, this year. Can we yeah. be better, better ministers? Can we be better at looking for um, someone in our ward or neighborhood? Look, I'm telling you, I've said this a million times, but if we wanted to have a better nation, start with your neighborhood. I don't care about the person who wants to go to Congress or, or do this or make a lot. It matters to me more if you went to your neighbor and knew what they need. What did they need? Sure. Because if we had neighborhoods... That were, or, or communities that were filled with neighborhoods, that, that neighbors knew neighbors and, and communities did good. And then the states are made up of communities and, and cities are made up of communities. And then the states make up the, the country and then if you're in New Zealand, that's great too. So work in your community, but build your own community. Stop looking for someone else to solve all your problems and some magic uh, politician to pass a law that's gonna make it all good or some rich person to pay all the way. It's about you going to, what are you gonna do this week? to look at your neighbor and say, Hey, they need some help with this, or they could use that, or Amen. just a visit. Bring them some cookies. Act, Bring act, me some cookies. Where's my neighbors? Bring me <laughs> some cookies.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the doorbell to ring. Um, that's right. Yeah, act on your loving impulses and we'll be good. Yeah. Perfect.
0: Okay, so there you go. If they if these uh, early church fathers had to listen to us, we could, yeah. we'd have solved it right there and we wouldn't have the, the faithfulness <laughs> issue. All Check right. problem solved. <laughs> All done. The
1: hearers continue this discussion. Tune in to part two.